This is Bioflash. The focus for us has always been do great science with great people and focus on patients. The real mission is to say we're curing 20%. How do we make that 40? How do we make that 60? If you can't change clinical practice in a way that improves outcomes for patients and lowers the cost of care, you may as well not start. Part of being at a small startup biotech company is how quickly we can, we can move. If Roche can buy Genentech, if Pfizer can buy Wyeth, any motivated party can buy anybody else. Welcome to BioFlash, the podcast about the San Francisco Bay Area's biotech ecosystem. I'm Ron Ludy, the biotech reporter for the San Francisco Business Times. It took me a couple of days, but I've recovered from the biotech deal-making, deal-talking bacchanalia known as the 36th J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. This, of course, is where a few tens of thousands of your closest friends cram into a few blocks around San Francisco's Union Square, meeting and greeting biotech executives, scientists, venture capitalists, and investment bankers. All kinds of ancillary conferences have popped up as well over the past few years, focusing on digital health, cell therapies, regenerative medicine, digital orthopedics, and a lot more. There are hundreds of company presentations and thousands of business meetings, some just on the street as people pass and look at their conference name badges and say, hey, I, I want to talk to you. But mainly, the meetings are happening in hotel rooms that have been converted into snug little meeting spaces or in hotel lobbies or restaurants. One of the reasons for this is because the biotech industry has gotten investors to pony up billions of dollars in cash based on past successes. That's led to new company formations, mergers, acquisitions, licensing deals, the kind of healthy activity Wall Street generally likes to see in an industry, especially this industry. And the folks around Union Square know that lots of money is flowing through the industry. Consider that the Westin St. Francis, the landmark hotel that hosts the J.P. Morgan Conference, was charging $2,800 a room per night, according to one executive I talked to. Other hotels were around $1,000 a night. Now multiply that by four or five nights, and that's a lot of money. Hotel lobbies were willing to give you a table for meetings at $400 for a three-hour slot, as the Sir Francis Drake was charging, or $200 an hour in the restaurant lounge of the Park Central Hotel or the JW Marriott. The breakfast bar was included. I call it bio-gouging. Of course, price run-ups of this sort are an age-old story and one the drug development industry knows well. A lot goes into price, but the premium markup goes well beyond the helping patients and the addressing unmet medical needs taglines that companies like to spout. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I'm not an economist. And I invite you to tell me where I'm right and wrong. But 
We've not heard the last about drug pricing, especially after Spark Therapeutics this month priced the first approved in the U.S. gene therapy for a cause of blindness at $850,000, or $425,000 an eye, if you prefer to look at it that way. Of course, this is far from the first time drug pricing has been raised. It's hit the ballot boxes of several states as consumer groups and legislators try to find a way to A, figure out what goes into price, and B, how to control prices so there isn't a caste system of sorts of haves with money and insurance and have-nots without money or insurance. It's more complicated than that, I know. But look back a few years at Gilead Sciences and its hepatitis C drugs. They cured people and they cost a lot of money. You can argue that they had true value, whatever the value is that you can put on a person's life. And who bore the price? Yes, insurance companies. And they were hit hard and surprised as people rushed for essentially a cure for hepatitis C. Imagine that. Within six weeks, the virus that causes hepatitis C is no longer active in your body because you take a tablet. No longer causing damage to your liver to the point of kidney cancer or a kidney transplant. That is life-changing, no doubt about it. And instead of patients taking a series of injectable drugs costing $100,000 or more over nearly a year, injections that were often so debilitating that they caused patients to miss work or stop treatments altogether. Now patients could pop a Savaldi or Harvoni tablet once a day while at home or at work or on a train for six weeks or so and be cured for about $1,000 a pill wholesale or about $100,000. Remember the headlines? Insurers who love to ponder the lint that builds up in their belly button bank accounts were furious, having to pay out that amount of money in that amount of time. They responded by putting up barriers to treatment and warehousing patients, having some wait until another, read, lower-cost drug came along. And Gilead knew what was coming. Other hepatitis B drugs were coming around the corner, ultimately forcing the prices down. So Gilead was getting well, the getting was good. Just wait until the mainstream media starts picking up on the $1 million headlines for gene therapy. Like Gilead, with its hepatitis C drugs, Biomarin Pharmaceutical, for one, can easily point to the life-changing impact of its now experimental gene therapy in hemophilia A and the health economics of it all. Consider that according to Biomarin CEO Jean-Jacques Bienname, hemophilia A patients who don't have enough of a blood clotting factor, known as factor 8, can have a cost of treatment, something around half a million dollars a year for three shots a week. And here comes Biomarin, potentially, with a one-shot-and-you're-done cure. That's right, one shot of a shelled-out virus carrying the correct copy 
of the gene at the center of that blood clotting factor eight. That essentially sets up a new factor eight producing factory in the patient's body, and voila, no more hemophilia A with one single shot. Of course, no one can know right now how long gene therapy will last. Theoretically, it lasts forever. But there's no way to run those trials and actually get a drug to patients before, say, the Detroit Lions win the Super Bowl. But you get the idea. For hemophilia A patients, if this works and it's safe and has a long-term, if not lifelong effect, this is literally life-changing. So at $1 million, probably more than that actually, an insurer will pay out the same for a hemophilia A cure as it is now for a couple of years of ongoing lifelong hemophilia A treatments. BioMarin has some smart folks. They know the different angles here. They know that of the 90,000 or so patients in areas where BioMarin has commercial operations, a relative few are going to switch from what they're taking now. Hemophilia patients are very loyal to the drugs that they're taking now. Those drugs work, and they work well. Gene therapy? What's that? Do I really want to take the risk of that when I have something that's working? So in building out a new gene therapy manufacturing plant in Marin County, BioMarin knows it doesn't have to produce all the gene therapy for all hemophilia A patients in the world at the same time. There are about 90,000 patients in that area, again, where, where BioMarin has commercial operations. And there's going to be a ramping up over years of people taking BioMarin's gene therapy. BioMarin is hedging its financial bet. Part of what goes into the $1 million plus price is BioMarin's cost of licensing the gene therapy treatment in 2013 from University College London and St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Part of what goes into that price is BioMarin's cost of research and development over the past nearly five years. The royalties or milestones it has or will pay out to partners and BioMarin's construction of the new cutting-edge manufacturing facility in Novato, building something very few have built before. BioMarin easily has spent tens of millions of dollars on its hemophilia A gene therapy to date. Those are costs it must recoup. Consider that BioMarin, a company celebrating its 21st year this year, is expected to report its first ever non-GAAP profit for 2017 on about $1.3 billion in revenue. Drug development is not cheap, and it's not for the faint of heart. We had a set of pine trees next to the house where I grew up, and over the years, the roots of those giants worked their way into the line leading from our bathroom to the city sewer line at the street. At one point, let's just say, things got interesting in the bathroom. Uh, my dad called in one of those line-rooting folks who promptly broke his equipment trying to break through the tree roots. When he finished, 
He gave my dad the bill, including the cost of the broken equipment. No, my dad said, you know, that's your cost of doing business. And the guy slunk and stunk away. Companies will get what they can. Drug companies know, for the most part, insurers will pay for $1 million plus treatments for miraculous cures for tough diseases. We all pay, really, in the pulled risk that defines insurance. And when you look at hemophilia A or hepatitis C and their long-term cost savings that the Gilead drugs or potentially the Biomarin drug brings to the pool, that is a lot of savings financially and quality of life-wise for the patient. There is real value. But let's not be disingenuous about that word value. That's going to be a hard sell when those headlines start blaring $1 million drug. Drug developers, not just gene therapy companies, insurers, and investors must get creative. A different kind of pulled insurance, maybe? Even then, what is the price? Do you leave it up to the market that largely is thinking about how Wall Street will respond? With investment cash rushing into the life sciences industry, translating into $200 an hour tables at a hotel, restaurant, or lobby, you have to wonder where it all ends. When is enough of a price covering the cost of innovation, the cost of equipment, even past failures, and the profit motivation? When is that enough? And when will an industry committed to serving the patient take what's right and not just what it can get while the getting's good? As always, I welcome your thoughts, your corrections, your counterpoints, uh, especially from the patient, drug developer, payer, and investor viewpoints. Just no yelling. Don't we have enough of that already? Thanks for listening to this latest episode of BioFlash. Be sure to follow our daily coverage of the Bay Area's biotech industry at sanfranciscobusinesstimes.com. And you can follow me and give me your feedback and tips on Twitter at rluty, that's R-L-E-U-T-Y underscore biotech. BioFlash is produced by Kevin Trong.